podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Before we jump in today, if you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further. Dr. Dish is the answer for you. It's the best training training machine in the world. Mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $350 off. Seems like a good, good idea. But if you're also looking to take your program and to build your program, if you're looking to build your program to the next level, um, go over and check out teachhoops.com. You know, I, 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 I took over a program that had nobody else applied for the job and had had six winning seasons in 30 years. And I was able to turn around to be one of the top national, top Midwest national high school programs in the country. Um, we've won national tournaments. We've won state championships. We've, I've coached NBA guys. I can't even count how many collegiate basketball players I've coached. Um, so let me help you through that process. Let me help you turn your program around or, or make your program go to the next level. So come over and check it out. Let's head off to the podcast. All right. Welcome to Coach Unplugged on a sunny day in Wisconsin, which is crazy because, you know, and there's no snow on the ground. So that's good. We're doing this in April and there's no snow. So I'm always happy when there's no snow on the ground. Coaches, coaches from Texas. So he he's laughing at me like he doesn't know when the snow is higher than my head. Then, you know, it's been a, a tough winter. Um so, Coach, Coach Van Hook, I want you to kind of introduce yourself, kind of tell your basketball journey, um, how you ended up in Texas, or if you are from Texas, I don't even know that. And then uh, we'll we'll go from there. Gotcha. So uh, I grew up around Oklahoma City, a suburb of Oklahoma City called Edmond, and uh, went to Oklahoma State University. And uh, I was just a guy. I didn't play college basketball. Um, I had did you play in high three- school? I did. I did. Uh, okay. Three-year letterman. Um, senior year, I was – the Daily Oklahoman is the big newspaper in the Oklahoma City area, and I was voted Daily Oklahoman Scholar Athlete of the Year, or I was on a team of okay. uh, Scholar Athletes of the Year. Um, and uh, my chances to play college basketball were at Division threes, which would have been fun, but they were smaller than my high school. And at 19, I was arrogant, and it just wasn't for me. So um, I was just a guy at Oklahoma State, and uh, I started off engineering, hated it, switched to business hated it and uh I switched into education because I had this I had a math skill set you know I'd already been through calculus two in college and wanted to teach math and uh a local coach that I went to church with uh ran a class b which is the smallest in the state of Oklahoma uh boys basketball program give me the classifications in Oklahoma and Texas Oklahoma Oklahoma ran uh class b through 6a so b a 2a 3a 4a 5a because because Okay, so what's the biggest in Oklahoma then? 6A. So I went to a 6A high school, and then okay. my first coaching experience was Class B, which took you to towns you'd never heard of. If, if, you, if, you know, if anybody knows Oklahoma at all, if you go west of I-35, right. it's green silos, and that's how you find towns. Okay. And so we would go to those gyms with this little team. Uh, Glencoe, Oklahoma was the name of the town. And uh, the head coach was a friend of mine I went to church with, and he brought me on as a volunteer. And uh, we won the Class B state championship in 2006. And I was 
I was hooked. I was like, oh my gosh, this oh. all the time, please. This is all I, I refer to it as once you've tasted the blood, you're, ne you're never yeah. going back. Yeah. Um, and we had a really special group of kids that uh, were just bought in. We ran, you know, a couple of different variations of motion and we were a, a really good man to man team. And that was a testament to the, to the coach. Um, and uh, so after college, uh, I knew I wanted to do it. I married a Louisiana gal. And we're so we're from Oklahoma and Louisiana, which uh, barely pay teachers above the poverty line. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, it was always uh, me getting into education and us getting married where we were being where we were from. Uh, it was always going to be Texas. Texas actually pays teachers pretty competitively. Um, okay. And uh, so you can you can you know, buy a decent house and right. You'd be middle class. That's all you yes, want. To be. Yes. And, and so, so what, so what instead of ramen noodles yeah. uh, on Tuesday night. So what, uh, what class? So, okay. So this is crazy. So here's how Wisconsin does it. Wisconsin has five classes, which is, we're not that big. I don't know why we have five classes, but that's a whole different podcast. Um, we go one through five, one being the biggest. Gotcha. Yeah. So what does Texas do? So Texas um, Texas and Oklahoma are interesting little uh, juxtapositions of each other because uh, I spent uh, six years in Texas public schools coaching 5A and 6A public school basketball. The league is known as the UIL, University Interscholastic League. Okay. That's all your public high schools. Um, and so uh, they were all, all of them in Texas. All of them in Texas are, are, are in the UIL. Yes. That's a lot of high schools, I bet. In Texas. It's a lot of high schools. And they go A through 6A, with 6A being the biggest. When I first got to Texas, there was only 5A, and then they expanded it to 6A because the playoffs were getting ridiculous. Uh, you know, um, uh, the bracket looked like varicose veins. So, right. they, so they increased the number of classifications to sort of whittle down the playoffs just a little bit. Okay. So uh, I did 5A, 6A as a, as a head coach, not as a head coach, as assistant coach and math teacher. And my first head coaching opportunity was at a private school. Um, and I was just ready. I didn't want to wait my turn at 5A, 6A public schools. I want to go a different path and do my own thing. Um, so in Texas, the private schools are not lumped in with public schools. In Oklahoma and Louisiana, they are. So your, your private schools can actually like a two a private school, which would in Oklahoma, Louisiana would be a smaller school can really bang on some public school two A's just because they have more resources. Well, they uh, do. It happens in Wisconsin too. Yeah, it, it does. And I tell the, and I tell the public schools in those brackets, like get better than. Yeah. So <laughs> get, get in Texas, in Texas, there's a league called taps, the Texas association of private and parochial schools. And it has about 240 schools in it. Um, and then they're also classified A through 6A. So you have about 40, 40 give or take 40 schools in each classification. Okay. Um, and my school's kind of right in the middle. It's the 4A level of, okay. of TAPS. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, and it's interesting because it's a, it's a smaller league, but uh, the, the heads of the league will tell you they're bigger than something like 15 state leagues um, right like bigger than I think just to throw one out there like Wyoming it's right. a bigger league than Wyoming's uh, public school league so oh yeah I'm sure um, it is yeah. you know it's, it's still a big league and it has it has its uh 
it's persnickety because it's got to run a league that manages schools with 20 kids in them and schools with over a thousand kids in them. And it's got to put leagues together that have, uh, you know, we've got to pull like El Paso. You've, you've driven across Texas. There are, there's like, we have teams in El Paso that don't have anybody in our league within a four hour drive of them. And you, and you have to build, you have to build a district and playoff schedule that includes these teams from El Paso. They, they play, they play, does public and private play each other? Yes. So okay. there's no okay. rules. There's no rules against public and private playing each other. In fact, I go to a couple of public, I try to go to at least one public school tournament a year. Okay. Um, to just so my kids, because it demands when, when the law of averages say, if you have a thousand kids and my school has 200 law of averages says, you're going to have a few more athletes that can do some kids, things that my kids can't. Right. And it, it demands a little more execution of my kids, makes them uh, mind their P's and Q's a little more with how they execute. Right. Um, and then there's some really, really good private school basketball, especially in the Houston area. So um, building the schedule is fun because, uh, you know, you can kind of have your pick of the litter. The funny thing with my league is um, there's teams that left the league and formed their own sort of rogue league. And now my league says, well, you can't schedule those guys. Okay, that's fine. So it's 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 interesting the, the the little politics and the little uh, you know uh, private school coaches feel a certain way about public school coaches and vice versa. Well, like, well, I've been both, and you're all kind of the same. Like so. you are all the same. You're a big country. Texas, is like a country, man. Yes, it's like, yes, yes. It's, it's GDP is crazy. Um, Okay, so then, so that's where you are now. Where are you now? So um, I'm at a private school in the north side of Houston called, it's, it's sorry, in Texas, if it has land on the end, it's, it's Lund, so it's Northland. Okay. But it looks like Northland, so it's Northland Christian School. Uh, it's a small private school, about 500 students, uh, about 175 in the high school, um, and we're at the 4A level in our league in TAPS, and I've been there eight years uh, as the head basketball coach. And then these last four years, I've been the campus athletic director along with being the head basketball coach. And if you know Texas, um, you know that I'm not supposed to exist as the athletic director and head basketball coach. No, I didn't Uh, know that. That role, the the athletic director role is usually set aside for the football coach. Coach. That is true, yeah. Uh, Football is king around here, so um if you want to know me in a nutshell i'm a i'm a basketball coach trying to make basketball matter in a football state yeah so so do you have your school is too hunt do you have a football program we do we have an 11 man football program well, you're 11 um, man wow okay yeah, we have 11 man our league has six man um and schools a little smaller than us kind of jump rope back and forth with six and 11 man football okay yeah, I was wondering if it um no, I I trust me. It's like Indiana basketball kind of thing, you know. It's like yes. um, yeah. <laughs> uh you can coach at Newcastle who's like gym is bigger than or Richmond whose gym is bigger than most division 3 programs. It is. Yeah. It's like holds like 8 9,000. Um so tell me about your coaching philosophy. You know, it's it's uh I spent 5 years as an assistant at Houston Memorial learning Princeton. And when I left Memorial for my first head coaching job, I thought I was going to run Princeton until they put me in the ground. Um, I really enjoyed cult like, right? It is. It is a little little cult like. And so because I worked for this program that ran Princeton, 
I got invited to the little cult meetings of the local coaches that ran Princeton and got to pass the chalk with them. And, you know, that was cool. That grew me as a coach. Um, and even there, there are coaches that package Princeton a little differently. Um, and it's, so that was interesting to see. Um, but uh, year two of my, of, of my head coaching gig at this school. Hey everybody. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please subscribe, like, Jump up and down. Tell us how, how great we are with uh, Basketball Coach Unplugged, uh, wherever you listen to them, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast, Castify. There's all sorts of them. Anchor. Um, anyway, uh, we would love those. We read every one of those. Um, also, go over and check out ttubes.com for coaches who want to get better. I'm challenging you right now. I, I would first of all challenge you that there's not another membership site like ours where you know you you, you can ask my members. You call you email, I will, I respond like that. Cause this is my, this is my thing. I, lo I love doing this. Um, also go over and check out our other podcast, uh, high school hoops with Jake and I once a week and teacher side gig. So especially for those teachers out there that are looking, can hear other teachers that are doing similar things and, uh, keeping the, <laughs> keeping the lights on in their, in their houses. So let's head back to the podcast. Uh, we were running Princeton and we played, so we're a little 4A private school with 200 kids or less. I scheduled a 6A public school with over 3,500 kids. They came to my little gym and they had a kid that was going to A&M and uh, Buzz, you know, is my, my Buzz is at A&M. Buzz is at A&M, isn't he? Yeah, so this was Savion Flag was on this team that, that played for uh, played for A&M, 6'6", swing man, nice player. Uh, so they come to our gym and my parents are funny because they, I, I love their reaction when teams walk in the gym. Like, I don't know, coach, they're big. I don't know if you're going to just chill. Um, so we go out and we're getting our back doors and, you know, clearing out a side and running our drifts into drives and, and hitting open threes or, or using the cleared outside to score the ball. And we've got the lead going into the fourth quarter and they turn pressure up on us and they start trapping and uh, I said this in my little in my little write up for you. Uh, one of my kids, one of my favorite kids I've ever coached, he caught the ball out of a trap and didn't know what to do with it. Um, kind of held it and kind of looked at me. And I was like, oh, no, I've, I've overcoached. I haven't taught him how to play breakdown enough. I haven't given him enough freedom. So that was year two. By year four, I was running dribble drive and giving kids a lot of freedom um, and the philosophy simplified. The philosophy left Princeton concepts and became, okay, all I want as a basketball coach is a kid to touch paint and make a good decision. That's all I want. Because um, you'll, you'll win if they can do that. How I do that is 100% irrelevant and 100% right. dependent upon the type of kids I have. So for the last four years, we've been getting paint touches out of dribble drive, out of driving the basketball in advantage situations. Uh, setting ball screens when we can't get an advantage situation um, and touching paint and dropping it off to a big or sharing to a weak side shooter. And if the weak side shooter doesn't like it, then he starts the drive action all over again. Um, that's, that's been my focus these last four years. Um, and so the first time I gave kids this freedom, we, we scored 82 in our first game. Uh, right. Once I gave them the freedom to just go play. Um, I had some really smart kids and I realized they were just sort of running Princeton to make me happy. Right. And just looking for chances where they could refuse a ball screen and just play two man, you know, stuff like that. And so I had this moment after year four, I was like, let's just do that. Let's just be that. 
you know right. that's the personality aha that moment let's, yeah yeah that's the personality they have let's lean into it and do you do you do anything full court wise pressure wise pressing wise I'm, it's it depending on so that year the first year i did it uh i had a guard that could really steer the ball um kid he's a great athlete in a small private school dude went to state in five sports um and uh i was like well we're you're you're picking up the ball as soon as we get off the bus colby <laughs> and uh so we were full court man. And uh, what that did was when you, when you, when you elongate your, your defense in a, in a very read and react sort of open flow type of offense, you it makes your offense a full court offense. Right. And when, once it becomes a full court offense, your gaps and your angles are bigger. And so that was fun to play. You know, you can run dribble drive and read and react type things in a very packaged canned half court type of setting. You can do it. Um, but when you've got kids that can play with tempo and those gaps get bigger uh, and it's easier to read and, and, you know, your first read is often a, a, a scoring opportunity. Uh, it was fun. So we were full court man to man. The next couple of years, I just didn't have the athletes that, uh, you know, I had a kid that could maybe stay in front of your one, but if you gave it to your two, my kid guarding your two was just getting his doors blown off. And right. so then, then they had an advantage at that point. Yeah. yeah. So then I pack, then we packaged uh, some one, two, some one, two, one, ones and some two, two, ones together um, just to hide the fact that we weren't athletic, but also still want to kind of create tempo. And then there's been times these last few years where I've been running the same offense, obviously teaching it differently for the kids that can score the ball, but we've, we've sat in half court man quite a bit um, because okay. I just haven't, uh, especially this year, um, you know, dealing with quarantines and my two best players got hurt that were six, two and six, four, um, long athletic kids. Uh, we had to just sit and protect paint. Uh, okay. we won a district, we won a district game 31 to 26 this year. <laughs> how do you, how do you, um, how do you deal with screen ball screens? How do you defensively deal with ball screens? So with me, you know, I've always wanted to be the person that guarded ball screens a hundred different ways. Um, and I, I, I have, I still need to work on that head knowledge, but I have some, but honestly, I, there's not that much difference in the athlete and the size of my one through five. There just hasn't been these last three years. So we just hard switch ball screens. Um, yeah, we just hard switch because guard. Okay. Well, okay. You get a guard on big switch and that's what you want as a coach against me. Right. Well, you've gone from a six, two kid to a five, 10 kid, the, to me, your your scoring opportunity is about the same. So right. that's standard really deviation what, isn't that big. Yes, and, and from someone that's coached longer than dirt itself, the number of kids that can actually so let's say a big let's say a guard or uh, big gets a guard on them. First of all, the pass has to get in there. Yes, <laughs> and then Which is second, still not taught much anymore. Right, and then the second part is then they got to be able to score over this little guard that's like almost like a gnat below the. I yes. mean. It, there's too many variables that like, and then if you front them, if you, if you get the guard to actually front the big, I can probably in one hand over the last 30 years, tell you the number of lot, good lob passes I've seen into the post. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So we, we hard switch everything. And honestly, like the kid that's been playing my five is a six, two right. kind of athletic kid. So right. like, 
yes, uh, you, you could totally switch onto a guard and guard him for a dozen seconds. I kind of feel okay about that. So, right. you know, I, I've tried I, not to. I, I like it because it teaches the guards to have a little chip too. Like, yes. like you, the, these big guys think they can score on you. Like you're going to let them do that. Like, yeah. and then it's like, yeah, it's like, I don't want to say it's a Napoleon complex, but they're shorter and they've always been shorter than the big guys. And they're probably mm -hmm. jealous that the big guys are, you know, um, yeah, I love that. Uh, what's the hardest thing to teach? Hardest thing to teach. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I would, I would say two things. I would say two things. Um, attack mindset. Really? I don't think I've ever had anybody say that. So what do you mean by well, that? I've got, I've got, I've got private school kids and, and the, the, the programs that I get them from, uh, the programs that I get them from are very, we're going to run offense until we get the shot that coach wants that, you know, we're going to run it for 45 seconds until we get the bunny off the glass. So um, one of the drills I do, it's, it's called two man paint, touch and kick. We've got guard, uh, guard line up top line in the corner. It's uh, I'm not creative with naming my drills, right. drive, touch the paint throw to the corner shooter who's working on knees bent, hand target, catch, step, shoot. And uh, when it comes up in live action in a scrimmage, they won't shoot it. And I have to, why didn't you shoot that? Well, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like, well, I, we just drilled for four minutes. Oh my God. You're shooting that very shot. And I, and I, I did that enough. I went, Oh, they're coming from this school where they, they like, for me, a good offensive possession can take eight seconds with a quality shot. Right. You know what I've told guys that have done this? Cause I've, I've had this issue is I said, if you don't shoot that, I'm going to pull you. And they go, what do you mean? I go, we run offense to get people open. If you are open and your feet are set and you don't shoot that you can't play. And they, they look at me like I'm from Mars and it's like, yes, I mean, and then, and then once they figure out that like, I will do, I will pull them. They will shoot. They will shoot it. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, well, coach said, I, I said, if you're open, I mean, I mean, there's a reason there's books and DVDs and all this stuff diagramming offenses because they're trying to get people open <laughs> and you're open. Shoot. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. So one, one thing I hit this year that was, that was, that was a delicate and difficult thing to coach was uh, scaling kids involvement in the offense properly. And let me, let me explain what I mean. Let's say I, I had a kid this year that would they could steadily shoot two for five from three. Okay. But if I asked him to shoot six, seven, eight times, his efficiency would fall off. Like, okay, well, I, I want you to shoot 10 times and make four, you know? And then uh, the kid that goes one for five, okay, well, you know, you get, you get two, you shoot two. And if you don't make either of those, you're done shooting. Um, and, you know, that's the thing people don't understand about coaching is how much catering there is to the individual, like how much we have to cater what we do to the individual, to their skill set and to their, you know, their psychology. Right. I, and I, this is the stats feature me too. Like I, I, I grab, I steal from me. I think it was neighbors. I stole this from, but it's basically red light, green light, yellow light kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I've had some green lighters, which is the ones I would yell at if they didn't shoot it. But then I'll have yellow and, and red lighters that think they're green lighters. And it's like, okay, 
let's come on in and you you, you so here's the stat sheets from the first four games here's your percentage you are not a green lighter but if you come into the gym and show me you're a green lighter let's do it and then i i have cutoffs where they can come in and i've had kids move from a yellow to a green because they've proven to me that they can do it um either in practice by practice stats or in in a gym with someone defending them but it's like there's this is not equal opportunity like <laughs> you know you're not lebron you know there's a difference between lebron and you like everyone has different roles on this team so i think i think that's a great and that's hard for them because they don't why they why does he get 10 shots and i get three well He's a better shooter than you are. Mm-hmm. The reason he's an AP calculus and you're not. Like, <laughs> that's his strong point, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I always say talented and gifted program for basketball players is what I run. I run a talented and gifted program. <laughs> <laughs> that's parents. Uh, uh, what, do you have a coaching moment, like a, a success or a failure you could share with uh, the listeners? You know, uh, I, I listed three on the little thing I sent you and I already got into one. Um, so I'll get into, I'll get into the third one. Um, I had, I, it was this point guard I had and high motor kid played one speed. Um, and I, I put the ball in his hands cause he could just make the most happen. And, um, I had a, I had an angry dad call me one night cause he thought this point guard was killing us. Hey everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like, um, we love those. Um, and send me an email, steve at teachhoops.com. Tell me what you want to hear in the future. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.